When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Top 10, where we explore some of the most influential films from different movie genres. I'm Vicky Sayers, and I'm joined by film critic and broadcaster James Cameron Wilson. Okay, so we're talking about the Western, James, and what are we going to start with? Well, I think we should start at the beginning. That's always a very good place to start. Isn't it? Thank you. Well, we're going back to the early days of Thomas Edison, who we've talked about previously. Yep. And... A film called The Great Train Robbery is generally considered to be the first Western. Okay. Although some scholars might argue it's actually a film called Kit Carson. Now, we're in the early years of the 20th century, 1903. Now, because Thomas Edison didn't actually patent The Great Train Robbery until December, he got in early with Kit Carson and actually patented that in September. So, technically, Uh... Kit Carson is the first Western. Now, if we're talking about the first full-length narrative feature film, that was actually called a film called The Story of the Kelly Gang, which was actually Australian and set in the outback. But there's not a lot of difference between the outback back in those days as with America. And The Great Train Robbery was actually shot in New Jersey. Right. But a lot of the very early films were just one reel long, just very short. And people used to go because of the magic of seeing flickering images on the screen. Mm -hmm. And in those days in California, there were shorts just showing mainly cowboys going about their everyday business. Right. Buffalo Bill, who was often in these films, who was a cowboy in his own right. Native Americans, audiences were fascinated with them. And they'd go to these cinemas and watch these short films. So the Western sort of evolved simultaneously with the cinema, okay, which I, I, I think is kind of fascinating. Mm. And the big stars in the early days, when they had really big stars, yep. because this was the day before streaming, the internet, radio, Netflix. <laughs> these were really big stars. With, and the Western stars were the biggest of all. We're talking about William S. Hart, Hopalong Cassidy, Tom Hop-along. Mix, Roy Rogers, the king of the cowboys, Randolph Scott... This is all long before John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. And what one must bear in mind that the average American, every other American, used to go to the cinema every single week in the early days. This doesn't happen anymore. No. So these stars had a massive audience. Yeah. Anyway, let's start at the very beginning. Okay. That, that, that is my history lesson. And I, I think Australia actually have produced some really good Westerns. Not many. But there was one in 2005 called The Proposition with okay. Guy Pierce. Oh, yep. John Hurt and Ray Winston. <laughs> what a funny yeah, trio. And, uh, uh, very violent. But, of course, oh, yeah. the West is a violent place. Yeah. But we'll start at the very beginning because okay. there was a director called John Ford yep. who made more great Westerns than anybody else. Like the Western stars, there were Western directors. Okay. And he brought a, he, he made a film in 1939, which was the magical year in cinema, when more great films, more transformative films were made in 1939 than any other year. 
specifically about westerns or just in general? In general. Oh, okay, fine. And we did talk about the musical in another mm-hmm. rendering, in series, rendition. Yeah. And I didn't even mention The Wizard of Oz, which was oh, also 1939. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this was, as I say, a magical year. Uh, anyway, John Ford directed a film called Stage Coach. Okay. With Claire Trevor, who I will forgive you for not having heard of, who got top billing. Okay. And a young man, six foot four, christened Marion Morrison. Marion? Marion Morrison. I'm pretty sure he didn't carry on with that name. No, he changed his name to John Wayne. Ooh, mm, okay. And he made a number of short B-movies. And he start, he was the male lead to Claire Trevor in this. And he became christened, he was known as The Duke. The Duke. And this was uh, 12 years after the advent of sound. Which right. Of started with the jazz singer in 1927. We're now in 1939, 30 years after the first Western. Wow. And if you look at Stagecoach now, it's a basket full of cliches. Oh, I bet. But they were the first cliches ever. Didn't they like start? Surely they would have started the cliches if they Indeed. were the first. Well, they look like go. cliches now. But John Ford brought character development. Um, he played with the camera in new ways. He introduced Monument Valley, which is quite an extraordinary backdrop. Mm. And that, for him, apart from John Wayne, who he directed in a number of films, Monument Valley was his location. Right. And it is an extraordinary place. Yeah. So I think one has to look at Stagecoach within context. I think it has dated terribly. Yeah. But I do know that Orson Welles, who directed Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. two years later... Mm-hmm. Extraordinary to think, because the, just... the cinema really evolved so fast in those days that it's hard to think that they didn't have sound in 1926. Yeah. And 13 years later, they made a sophisticated colour epic like Gone with the Wind. Mm. That's Technology crazy. moved so fast. Absolutely. But Orson Welles, who went on to star in, write and direct Citizen Kane, which is generally considered to be the greatest film of all time. Good to know. American Film Institute decided to do this massive poll of 1,500 filmmakers and critics to come up with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And Sight and Sound, the venerable film magazine on this side of the Atlantic, did likewise. They both came up with the Citizen Kane as being the greatest film ever made. Orson Welles, it was his first film as director, watched Stagecoach, the Western, 40 times in order to learn the grammar of the film. And I think, besides The Birth of a Nation, directed by W.D. Griffith, which was a silence, Mm -hmm. which brought in a lot of new film grammar, Stagecoach was very instrumental, particularly in the Western. Okay. And you still see it today, even people like Quentin Tarantino, The Hateful Eight, his last Western. You can see the influences of Stagecoach on that film. And it is still reverberating up into the 21st century. So if I were to watch Stagecoach, I'd probably be able to guess what was going to happen, just having a very undetailed knowledge. John Wayne wore a white hat, the villain wore a black hat. What Uh, can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing more than that. That tells me everything. What's the next one? Okay, another classic director, Howard Hawks of the genre. We're talking about Red River, 1948. And... To have an unsympathetic John Wayne was quite a breakthrough at the time because okay. he was a hero and he represented the macho um, all-American male. Well, so he's and in this one as well? So He was in this one, he's yes. <laughs> and I'm afraid... Is he in all of them? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> okay, great. Until we get into the Clint Eastwood era. Okay. Uh, but Montgomery Clift, 
The Great Montgomery Cliff. Good old Monty, don't know who that is. This was his first film. Okay, cool. <laughs> he was a method actor. He was one of the greats of his period. And he ended up making, well, we'll talk about The Misfits at some point. But okay. having brought it up, The Misfits was made in 1962, directed by John Huston, and it starred Clark Gable in his last role. Okay. Marilyn Monroe in her last role, the best thing she ever did, and Montgomery Clift in one of his last roles. Okay. It was this extraordinary swan song. Yeah. And the best film that I think that any of them did. Okay, I need to see. This is another one. The Misfits is amazing. Anyway, (laughs) this was Montgomery Clift's first film. And it was set on the first cattle drive from Texas to Kansas. Okay. And most critics will cite it as one of the all-time great Westerns. A kind of Western mutiny on the bounty. Right. And I didn't include in my top ten, which won't be on your list in front of you, High Noon, but I just have to mention it anyway. 1952 starring Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly set in real time. What does that mean? Well... Let's say it's like two hours just, long. Yeah, they just the filmed it The action takes place over two hours. Oh, fine. So they were... Okay, yeah, no. Just, and that there was are a clocks <laughs> positioned throughout the film so you get the message. Got it. Okay. Well, that's nice to know because in films these days, you have no idea how how long anything takes. I find myself thinking, is this a day? Is this a week? So that sounds quite refreshing for me. That or you actually... see a film like Dun- Dunkirk. It's set oh, simultane- that simultaneously made... in an hour, yeah. a day and a week. Yeah, they try and make it discern it by the sky, the sea, the land or whatever. Yes. But then but then even within that, as you say, it's like a time difference. So anyway, I'm glad that this one is clear about how long it took. Oh, yes. Okay, On the we're still talking classic westerns. Okay. This is a less subjective list. Right. Shane, directed by George Stevens. Yep. 1953 with Alan Ladd and Gene Arthur, another great classic. And I'm going to get on to my favourites because the Western has moved on considerably then. And one has to also mention another John Ford film with John Wayne mm-hmm. called The Searchers. Right. Much copied, much glorified, iconic, uh, a story of revenge and self-discovery shot in John Ford's beloved Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. And yes, as I say, much imitated. So what, searches. what would you recognise, like if anyone else was watching it, if they've seen one but they haven't seen The Searchers, what would you say is another film that's just like It's it? very slow and I, again, I'm not sure it holds up very well. Natalie Wood is kidnapped by Indians and John Wayne goes... John Wayne, again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Literally John Wayne, in all again. Of them. Okay. We'll get off John Wayne. No wonder he had funny legs. I think where the horse. film became, re- the Western became really exciting was in the next decade. Okay, tell me. 1968. Mm -hmm. There was an Italian director called Sergio Leone Mm. who brought a whole new angle to the Western. It was called the Spaghetti Western because he was Italian. And of course he started with uh, a series of films called The Dollar Movies with Clint Eastwood. A fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and then The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Yeah. But for me his greatest film was Once Upon a Time in the West. Now that's the first one of these that I recognise the title of because disclaimer which we probably should have said at the beginning I know nothing about westerns but I have heard of this one so we're, we're getting somewhere. Indeed. <laughs> 1968. Well he even directed a film Sergio Leone called Duck You Sucker. That was the title it was given when it was released. Duck in the You Sucker. Duck You Sucker with Rod Steiger and James Sounds Cobra. like a sushi meal or something. It sounded like an Italian B movie. Yeah. Like, I went to see it because I liked Sergio Leone. Mm-hmm. And it starts really small, like your t- typical sort of Italian programmer. And it ends on this epic battle. And I love the... F- it was such a surprise. And I love the way that... Because for me, cinema is about the ability to surprise. Yeah. 
And I did not see what a great film that was, considering it was called Duck Yusaka. Yes, but this is terrible. But better film was Once Upon a Time in the West. Okay. And he imported these major American stars to Italy. Henry Fonda, Jason Robards, Charles Bronson. But he gave top billing to Italy's very own Claudia Cardinelli. And it has one of the greatest openings of any film ever, where three guys meet at a deserted station mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Jack E. Lamb was one of them who ends up trying to get rid of a fly, which will not leave him alone. There's no music at all. Right. And there's just the creak of a windmill and the scuff of boots yeah. on wood. And it That's is so already at- painting the picture for yeah, me. Yeah, it is so atmospheric. Yeah. And this very nervous station master who knows that there's going to be some... Something's going to go down. Something's going to go down. <laughs> it's not going to be good. Woody Strode, who was an African-American gunsmith, uh-huh. and Al Mulock, who played Knuckles. And all he pretty much does is crack his knuckles. These really? three men. These aren't the stars, and they're waiting for this train, and they're right. going to take down Charles Bronson. Oh. And he turns up. And it doesn't go to plan, I imagine. <laughs> and then this wonderful music by Ennio Morricone begins. Oh, I like him. And it is one of the great scores in the history of cinema. And it's one of the greatest openings. And I've seen this opening, just this opening. And people come round to the house. I said, you've got to watch. Really? This is how to open a movie. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So that was a whole new genre. Yeah. And in the same year, another director emerged called Sam Peckinpah, who was one of the great American directors of the Western, except his Westerns were incredibly violent. His film was called The Wild Bunch, again mm-hmm. with major stars now, William Holden, Robert Ryan, Ernest Borgnine, Edmund O'Brien. And it was so bloody, it created so much controversy. Of course, now compared to <laughs> No other one would films, care. <laughs> if you look at a film, for instance, like Soldier Blue in 1970, which yeah. was only a year later, that had a London X certificate. And that's 18, is it? Um, 18 with a punch. Oh, really? But we were now beginning to recognise that the Native American was not the villain anymore. Mm. And Soldier Blue was so clever, directed by Rafe Nelson, I don't know what ever happened to him, starring Candice Bergen, who I was in love with at the time. (laughs) It starts very cleverly with a massacre by Native Americans. Oh. By or of? By. Oh, okay. The Native Americans... Do the massacring. Do the massacring. But that's... That's but not then, how it went. Sorry? That's not how it went in real life. That's what's so clever about the okay. film. It then turns into this sweet, romantic, comic kind of love story between Candice Bergen and a soldier played by Peter Strauss. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with a massacre by the cavalry of the Indians. And suddenly it turns the whole history onto its head. Yeah. And what Ralph Nelson showed, I cannot repeat on the radio, but mutilations, mm-hmm. dismemberment, spears, children... It, Never had been seen on camera before. Yeah. And I took my girlfriend at the time. She was yeah. completely traumatised. I bet. Dear. And, but Not it was a, a masterpiece. Choice. It was very, very clever. Yeah. And the Western grew up with that. 
1971, Robert Altman, one of the leading directors of the New Wave, the American New Wave, he made a wonderful film called McCabe and Mrs. Miller with the aforementioned Julie Christie, who was nominated for an Oscar for her role as a prostitute, Warren Beatty. Again, it suddenly felt fresh. The houses, the streets looked like they'd just been built, mm. which in fact they had back yeah. in those days. They didn't look old, and yeah. that's the problem. Because the Western is the American equivalent of the British costume melodrama, yeah. the historical melodrama, where all the castles look old as if they've been up there for hundreds of years, which, of course, they have been up there for hundreds of years. But the West was very new and fresh, and those houses look like they should have just been made, which yeah. is why when you look at a new film today, like 310 to Yuma, mm. with the new Western star of modern cinema, who happens to be a boy from the Welsh Valleys called Christian Bale... <laughs> The actual towns weren't even finished. Yeah. They were still in construction, yeah. which I think is what's so clever. Anyway, that moving on. Um, before we leave the 60s, yes. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. This is another one I, I have heard of. So that's two out of nine or eight so far. This was the ultimate. This, I think a lot of people who didn't engage with Westerns what went to see this anyway, mm-hmm. and it had this very famous song, Raindrops Keep Falling on Your Head, by, really? sung by B.J. Thomas. They had, wait, did they have songs in Westerns? They did, in Butch Cassidy and so the Sanders Kid, not, who were played by Paul Newman and yes. Robert Redford, with Catherine Ross as the girl. Well, I've heard of that song too. Yes, well, so we it go. was one of the biggest hits of the 1960s. Fab. So wait, they, what's the situation in which they would sing such a thing? It sounds very happy. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was written by George Roy Hill. Yeah. More importantly, it was written by William Goldman, who made a very arty, very user-friendly, romantic, funny, dramatic Western based on a true story. And you see at the very beginning news footage, very ancient news footage of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then you segue into their story. Wow, okay. And you realise these guys were real. And it starts with a poker game and you realise how brilliant... Robert Redford was as the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. And there is a musical interlude with Paul Newman on a bicycle with Catherine Ross when they play Raindrops Keep okay. Falling on Your Head, which right. was like an early music video, really. Yeah, sort of an, oh, how an funny. Insert. And it was a, a hugely enjoyable and, and at times poignant yeah. because you can't escape reality that those times were tough. But it was a very funny, a very stylish film. And the charisma between Newman and Redford, of course, they went on to do The Sting as well. Yes. And they became best friends. Oh, lovely. And producers in their own right. It was just such an ineffably enjoyable <laughs> movie. Great fun. Uh, and then, well, we move on. I, I think, I must say, from 68 to 73 was a yeah. classic period for the Western. Would you say that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is your ultimate fave of the list of ten? I do have a very soft spot for it, and mm-hmm. I think I would say that is absolutely true. Well, you there can we tell go. by the warmth in my voice. So it's only downhill from here for I, the next one. I, I've talked about Sam Packenbach, and I also have to mention, within that five-year period, yes. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Okay. That was the first Western when I came out of the cinema where I could swear I smelt the dust. Really? It was so authentic. It was starring James Coburn who starred in Duck, You Sucker, oh, and you're... Chris Christopherson as Billy the Kid. And it was so atmospheric and really a, a real favourite of mine. Mm-hmm. But then we move forward yes, quite far to forward. a film directed by an actor. The Western was now surely dead. And this actor, who had emerged in a film three years earlier called The Untouchables in 1987, decided to direct a film in That's which he starred. That's very early on, isn't it? To yeah. start directing, yeah. 
1990 we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He made it three hours long. Okay. I believe there were subtitles in it. Wow. With real Cherokees. And the film was called Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one. <laughs> the director was called Kevin Costner. Mm, he rings a bell. <laughs> he won the Oscar for Best Director for this. Wow. It became the highest grossing Western of all time. Really? Was he in it as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, and a wolf. <laughs> he was a what? It was him and a wolf. I thought you said <clears throat> as a wolf. No, 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 not as, <laughs> and, That's and going a, a bit wolf. far. Interesting. And Mary McDonnell and the Cherokee actor Wes Duty and some really good Indian actors. Mm. In it. it was just a wonderful movie and he got away with it. So three really hours with subtitles, but that shouldn't be some, some, some Indian subtitles. Okay, yeah. oh, right, fine. Not the whole way through. Got yeah. you. Okay. Did he dance with a wolf? That was his name. Dances, Dances with, with wolves. wolves was his name. Yes, the name of his character, but by the Indians. I see. Yes. Fine. And then we have to mention Unforgiven, which was two years later, directed by another actor, which also won a slew of Oscars called Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood. Yes. Who really carried on the tradition of the Western. Mm. He made a lot of Westerns, like High Plains Drifter, Hang 'em High, the spaghetti Westerns of the 60s, and continued into his 80s playing Western heroes yeah. of one sort or another. An unforgiven co-starring Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, Richard Harris wow. was one of the all-time classic Westerns made in 1992. Mm-hmm. But the Western didn't die then. They keep on saying the Western is dead. The I Western feel like there are dead. still lots of things coming out that are Western-y that I look at and then don't watch. You know, like that True Grit. That was a remake of a John Wayne film. Oh, there you go, a remake again. <laughs> But we still. can't escape John Wayne. <laughs> we will never escape him. But we have to mention, of course, Brokeback Mountain. Would that count as a Western? Why not? It's set in the West, it's set but in that But they're not period. fighting any Indians, are they? Isn't that what a Western has to be? That it's like the Americans versus the Indians? As long as it's got a Stetson, it's a Western. <laughs> OK. 2005. And this broke new territory. Ang Lee, a Taiwanese filmmaker. Yeah. Heath Ledger. Yep, I have Jake seen this Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. That's why I'm saying. Williams. I don't think it's a Western because I've seen it. Surely it can't be. <laughs> no, it's essentially a Western, but it's the first breakthrough gay mm. Western, which was unheard of at the time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Things are changing really fast Yeah, now. yeah. And then we mustn't forget The Revenant, which was made oh. 10 years later. Have you seen The Revenant? That's one thing that me and my husband keep saying, let's watch this, let's watch this. But because we know it's so miserable, we're like, oh, don't think I have the energy for it tonight because it's like really long. It I is know really that long. it's so depressing. Um, there's a lot of things that go on with bears that I have <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've heard there's about. one bear in the video. <laughs> it sounds like a lot for one bear to be doing. Um, so I haven't seen it, but I, it's one of those things that I still keep meaning to see. I just have never been quite in the right mood for it. I feel like it's one of those things you need to be in the mood for. Well, we have to mention the fact that it's the second highest grossing Western of all time. What's the first one again? Dances with Wolves. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's very different, isn't it? It is. It's the true story of Hugh Glass. It's another tale of Can't revenge Can't believe that's a true story. Leonardo DiCaprio finally gets finally, his Oscar. Finally, at last. Directed by Alejandro Gonzalez mm-hmm. Inarritu. Oh, yeah. With, mustn't forget Tom Hardy was in it. Yep. And Speaking Will Porter. In, what's the word where you can't understand what they're saying? Like Indecipherable. Yeah, all the time. Just... He was uh, as Bane oh, in The Dark Oh, I could just about night. understand him then. <laughs> With a mask but over his it face. won Academy Awards for Best Director, Best Actor, Best Cinematography. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio could have got an Oscar for other more deserving things. I do believe you. Yeah. I I feel the same. The 
problem was because he went through so much and was yeah. crawling over miles and miles of ice. Like he actually had a really CGI terrible time. Deer, bear, people felt. We'll give it. Yeah, but don't you think that that's a little bit like of a cop out? Oh well, you've I been nominated. Have, I did not so vote many... for him. No, okay. <laughs> not not for that film. Okay. But fine. we have to mention that. Yes, absolutely. And before we, well, to round up, I would yeah. like to mention Christian Bale. Okay. Because of all people, Another he Batman. did an amazing film called Hostiles. Haven't seen that. Which was again trying to resurrect the image of the Native American. Okay. Indian, with Rosamund Pike. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know her. A lot of my. Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> well, she's English. So Christian Bale is British. A lot of my critic friends couldn't believe it was completely shut out at the Oscars. Even the Variety newspapers said, this is a latecomer to the Oscars and it should sweep all before it. It was completely ignored. I don't know. It's a very powerful film. Hmm. He plays an Indian hater. Right. And obviously, through the arc of the film, he becomes to understand that they are human beings and they have dignity and they have their culture mm. and everything. It is very violent. It is very shocking. And of course, he did another film, 310 to Yuma. Yeah. And who would have thought Christian Bale would carry on the torch from yes. John Wayne? Never could have imagined And it. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He's actually making more, uh, more westerns now than anybody. I couldn't imagine and The western him. is not entirely dead. And thank you, Jake Gyllenhaal. We'll end on Jake Gyllenhaal. That's after, a nice note. After Brokeback on. Mountain, he did a film called The Sisters Brothers. Also with John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, good old Joaquin. The Western is not dead yet. A rousing note to finish on. Thank you so much, James. So that's it for this episode of the Top 10. Join us next time for more. <laughs>